study inductively, and we started with thinking about um, basically saying we use a process of observation, interpretation, application, and in, as we work through that process, we are um, uh, kind of asking ourselves, like, observation, what does the text say? Interpretation, what does the text mean? Application, how does it apply to my life? And so we went from there and um, worked through that uh, for a couple of weeks. And uh, we've also studied uh, genre. Uh, well, we first studied like kind of the big structures of the Bible, the big story of the Bible, thought about that for a little bit, and then uh, genre last week and, and looked at kind of like how there are overarching genres in Scripture. And as you understand those and understand how those work, it helps you in interpretation uh, of the Scripture. So, um, but we're going to look just real quick. In John 20, 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's his intent for writing John is explicit. Right? Does that make sense? Like he's kind of giving you a purpose statement. Romans 1, 16 and 17 is like a purpose statement where the author shows you very quickly his intent. In Titus, uh, when you're looking at it, you can see very clearly, like he says, um, you need to set in order what remains. Why? Because there are things out of order. And he tells him how to do that. There are just countless places where you're trying, and I think it's just important for you to understand, you're constantly trying to think about the author's intent. And it's important to, to, to do that. And so um, here, just kind of in thinking when it's not so clear, uh, sometimes you're trying to think through a number of, kind of have a number of questions, which he mentions, four questions uh, for the New Testament epistles and Old Testament prophets. Who is writing to whom? What is the situation of the author and reader? Are there any problems or issues explicitly identified as things uh, need to be addressed, or as things to be addressed? Are certain things repeated, or is there a central idea that holds everything? And, and sometimes, as you, I remember when I first started studying the Bible, I thought, man, these things are difficult, like, uh, because I'd never really thought about that, you know, like, usually if I'd read, read a letter, I mean, I just read it, and I didn't even think about how I was reading it, or, or you know, exactly, you know, and so for you to just stop and ask yourself, like, do I really understand the purpose and what is taking place? Um, another thing just to kind of keep in mind is context, when you're working through um, something like this, we, we do need to be thinking in terms of like, context has the idea of weaving some, what, what is, I mean, oftentimes it's a story, and you're trying to get it to this place where you can understand it and unpack it, and I mean, that was really difficult when I was working through First uh, Samuel, um, at, the, at the first part, just kind of reading through it, I kept thinking like, what is a central theme here? And uh, there's a lot of things that help us with that, but one of them would be um, there's sometimes just a summary of a book of the Bible. There's sometimes like whole kind of books on the different books of the Bible and just kind of gives you like a summary of it. And most things will kind of give you some themes, but as you try to look for those yourself, you're just trying to think about all that's going on and you're trying to 
read behind the story and, and pull away what you can from like uh, about their life. It's interesting. He talks about like this novel versus like encyclopedia. But I just uh, one of the things I think I've told you all that we do sometimes at dinner is I'll uh, scan an article real quick of an encyclopedia article, you know. And it will, the one that we're reading is from the maybe 60s or something, or maybe 70s. And, and inside of it, it's like they'll talk about different figures. They'll talk about stuff like different books of the Bible or a particular author of a book of the Bible. And they'll sketch out the, those people's lives. But that's not how you begin when you're reading the Bible. You're not reading it that way. It's not like... The Bible just has, like, you go in, punch in on your digital Bible, so-and-so's name, and it pops up and be like, and this section of Scripture explains everything about that person. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. And so it's important um, to, to kind of help pull those pieces together. Uh, with regard, and I, I just make sure, you guys, as you're moving through here, you see number three, structure. You see that? On your, okay, uh, on the third one there, the, there's two questions that are asked. Has the author divided his material into sections, and how do those sections fit together? Okay, so Matthew's Gospel. If you were to sit down and read it, maybe some of you say, oh, have you ever had somebody tell you, I've read the Bible all the way through, and I got this. And I'm like, really? Can I ask you, like, Five questions, you know, real quick. I'll tell you what, let's pick a book of the Bible. Can I ask you a couple of questions of all the stuff that you've got now in your head since you read it once? Like, Matthew's Gospel, the way that it's structured, it, it, it's important sometimes to be able to see those. Sometimes it takes a long time for that to kind of sink into you. But what Matthew does is he has... Five teaching portions. And it begins, though, with narrative, and then it goes to teaching, and then narrative, and then teaching, and then narrative, and then teaching, and then concludes with narrative. It's, it's structured. Like John's Gospel, it's structured in a way where, like, from chapter 12 on, he's just speaking to his disciples. Like the whole, half of the book is just like the, fi I mean, like the very end, the final days, kind of. I mean, almost just like it's just laying out these things. And so there is structure in order. And so if you can see that, and just as you, for Matthew, it's helpful for me because I did spend a lot of time studying it. In Matthew's gospel, the first four chapters, you, you're introduced to Jesus. Uh, through all of these fulfillment terms. And then there's the Sermon on the Mount. And he displays through his teaching everything about what they just said about him being the Messiah. Chapters 8 and 9, you get there, and there are his deeds, and they're on display. And so you have his word. It's almost like he's the Messiah. Here are his words. Here are his works. And people are saying, I've never heard of anybody like this before. In chapter 10, he teaches his disciples about being, um, going out into the world and proclaiming the gospel. Chapter 11 and 12, you get into a, a kind of a shift in the book. Chapters 14 through 17, 
its story. It's that whole section of what it means to like the church coming together. In chapter 18, there's that whole section of what it means to to be um, to both like help prop people up and help them grow, and also to do what happens when somebody rejects uh, the discipline of people in their lives. Chapters 19 through 23, it's broken up. Chapter 24 and 25 you have the Olivet Discourse. So when you know those structural things, when you're thinking about like the division of material, it's very helpful. And again, you can't always see that on your own. I mean, you could maybe if you studied over it for like 20 years, 20 hours a week. You know, no. I mean, sometimes it's just slower, like until you kind of get used to that, to seeing breaks in the text. But that really helps you understand. And so... Uh, sometimes it's really good just to, there are outline, books on outlines, there are books that explain, like I said, how a book's broken down. All that stuff can be really helpful in your interpretation. So how do you determine, like, the structure? You're looking for repeated words, themes, and a narrative. You're looking for scene changes. In dialogues, divide the text based on who is speaking. Trace progressions of thought or argument. So, that's just, it all depends on what you're doing. And narrative, because the Bible's written in narrative, like so much of, of its narrative, uh, those scene changes are real important. It would say something like the next day. Or, you know, there's just different things, or they move to another pl- place altogether. And so you're just kind of constantly looking for clues that will help you understand what's going on structurally. Another thing here that's mentioned are parallels. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It's just those statements sometimes like bring out things that will help you see, okay, like we're making this a big deal. We're pressing this. Fifth, the linking words. He he mentions like for instance... You know, like there's, there's something, when you're thinking about something that's linking something together, it's pulling pieces together. That would be one. Um, there's kind of the adding of information, like furthermore, like I want to add more to this. So like I've made this statement, then I've, I'm building kind of the case here. <clears throat> Some sense of like a summary or he like summarizes material. Sometimes you'll have that. You'll be like, man, that's a summary. And in 1 Samuel, the summary of the book is at the front. Kind of summarizes the whole purpose. And then he builds on that as you're moving forward. You have the idea of sequence. Show a progression of ideas. First, second, finally. <clears throat> and that will, um, I always think about Amos chapters uh, 1 and 2 where <clears throat> he makes this statement for three transgressions and for four. And as he moves down, like he, he is taking them on a journey. I think I've mentioned that to you recently, but he's taking them on a journey around Israel. If you were to take a map, you could see that. And then at the end, he hits them. them. So like he's building, first they're like, oh, he's talking about all of our enemies. At the end, he like hits them so like he's building like in a progression he's moving uh, like if you had a map you would see him moving around there's another kind of concept here like where he gives a reason because or for that's always um 
I mean, that's, that's something that's helpful in all language. Again, this is one of those things where it's like learning to read your Bible well in part is like learning to read literature well. That's kind of what you have to get to, that place where you're saying, do I see particular things that kind of stand out to me where I can say, okay, that makes sense. He's, he's doing it. Just like if I were reading a, a good literature, a good book, like it's, not, it's, it's written in a way where you can kind of see those clues. You know, the author's writing in a way, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in a way that you can kind of identify those clue, clues as you're going along. Um, something that gives a result or purpose of, like so that, that's really, really big. When I, I sometimes like, I've, I've spent time where I would just say, I'm going to just mark every reference, everything, I, every time I see so that, because it just stands out. It's one of those things that will help you um, kind of identify the pr- particulars of like what is going on. That It's telling you this is the purpose. Like, I've told you all this so that you understand whatever, you know. Um, if you're like lecturing your kids, you know, like you go through this long list of things and you say, so that you won't be a heathen, you know, and they're like, oh, he was talking about being a heathen and he's given me three ways not to be one. Just got muddy there a little while while they were talking about it. Contrast of ideas where he'll say kind of however, and sometimes again that will come at the right moment, like if you're reading through and you see that, sometimes there will be a big shift in a book, and sometimes it's just the shift in a chapter. A distinguishing mark, a linking word, it's and, is and, and so sometimes, again, that will help you. Just Basically, all of this stuff slows you down. Uh, I was uh, listening to, do you all know who Malcolm Gladwell is? Yeah. Well, he writes all this, I don't, it's like historical one kind of look at a particular issue to know how to describe it. Like he'll write a biographical sketch on someone or kind of look at a particular issue. Anyway, and, and he writes uh, a, a lot of different books. He wrote a book, it's real popular, called Outliers and it kind of talks about these kind of unique people in you know, society and stuff. But I, when, I, when I think of some people that are really fast in their lives, they, everything they do is like fast, fast, fast. And some people that are kind of like the tortoise, you know, like some people like a hare and some people like a tortoise. And they're slow thinkers about stuff. The, the issue for us is, I think, uh, you may be really fast at doing some of this stuff, but you just need to slow down long enough to really consider uh, what is taking place. It helps you work through a text. It helps you um, kind of, uh, it, there are tools to kind of help you along the way. It's it's um, it really is like uh, sometimes it, it, people don't think of it this way, but we just think about having a toolbox and you say, "Well, this will help with this." You say, "Dad, you ever done that?" And you're like, "That's not going to work. Give me that other tool." You know, and you take it up there, and and then sometimes you're like, "I don't even know if I have the right tools," you know, and so then you go buy maybe another helpful commentary. <laughs> no, I mean, or or whatever, like there's books written to kind of help you along the way, but these are tools that you're just looking at the text with. Uh, as we've said before, repetition is key. Um, repetition is something that just, uh, I cannot over, um, es- I mean, I can't tell you how important that is, and we, Anna and I always joke about this, because she 
is not big on repetition. I would be more kind of oriented towards that where she'd be like, heard it the first time. Well, sometimes in the Bible, like, they will do like this thing of like repeat things over and over and over. And so, sometimes the repetition is um, like the word covenant would be used like 15 times in one chapter. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, today, like in this psalm that we're looking at, like the emphasis on mercy is there. Sometimes the word is not repeated, but you'll see the theme Mercy, mercy, mercy. And you, you'll kind of, as you're moving through text, you're looking for, and we've talked about how to find some of that repetition, but you're looking for trying to identify those things that are repeated. And sometimes after like the 10th reading, some of that stuff will begin to kind of come to the surface. Repetition reveals the author's opinion slash interpretation of the narrative. Sometimes he'll he just kind of, it's helping you see what he thinks of idea. Repetition isn't always repeated words or phrases. Occasionally it consists in repeated ideas. And you just have to ask yourself constantly, is there something coming out about this guy's heart? Why is he saying this? Why is he speaking this? What is he trying to tell us? Um, and we'll talk about this actually in the service, but with... Um, um, it, there, there's this repeated phrase in Matthew where people will see Jesus and say, have mercy on us, son of David. But it's not just in Matthew's gospel. Um, there's another repeated thing in Matthew. I just made you think about it because I was thinking about it earlier. But, but it's uh, the people believing are Gentiles. Just strange. The Messiah comes and the people that are believing are gentile people it's a theme that's coming out of that it's pressing upon you and you're seeing that on display and so you're just looking for those kinds of things um, repetition sets the tone or the feeling of the text there 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 will be psalms where you read it and it'll be like you sense the shame because he keeps being, bringing up the fact that he's ashamed of what he's done. Or you sense sorrow. Or you sense like uh, joy. And you're trying to say, let the text kind of let, let emerge those things that like kind of like what is... You almost could ask yourself like, not, not necessarily like how does this text make me feel in a way of like that's all you're asking... But like, what is the feeling I get from this text after reading it? And you will see some of that it, repetition begin to emerge because he's hitting the same nail. It's like he's up there, he hits the nail, hits the nail, hits the nail. And every time it kind of like reminds you, oh, this is important. Missionaries. A, a lot of people would say, use these towards the end of your study. And I think that for the most part, that is good. I mean, there are going to be times where there are going to be things that you're going to come across that you're just going to say, hmm, I, I think that the rest of my study is going to be messed up if I don't understand this verse. Or if I don't see at least like how people have, multiple people have thought about this verse. And then I can go back and look at the whole thing. So that does happen. 
But the goal of this is that you would learn to read your Bible well and then check yourself. If, if, if you've come up with something that you can't find in like a... that you can't find in a normal commentary and, and you're like... I mean, there's really good commentaries out there, really quality stuff, and you can't, nobody's ever thought about that before. You always want to just be like, ooh, hold on just a second. Let me make sure I'm not out here in wild kind of stuff. Or if the only person that, that, that you're, you know, maybe you listen to somebody and they told you this random thing, and you're like, mm, that sounds a little bit suspect. Like something about that seems a little strange. And he's the only one that's figured it out. You might want to like say, yeah. A lot of people have been writing about these things for a long time. There are people that have spent hundreds, there are hundreds and thousands of pages written about this stuff. If you've got this kind of out there thought, like you probably need to be checked a little bit. You know? And so that's what commentaries do is they, they, this, that's what they should do, I think, for the most part, is help you understand some more difficult things that you're just, I mean, you're just like, man, I don't know what to do with that, and uh, confront you sometimes with, uh, man, you're a little bit wild in your interpretation here. The other thing about a Bible dictionary is, uh, because sometimes you're, uh, because of your limited knowledge, or your limited ability to keep stuff in your head, uh, you'll forget things about, you know, sometimes you just want to know, I just want to get Elijah in my mind. I want to understand what went on with him. So I can read that real quick, and then when I step into a text and he's dealing with stuff, I kind of have that in my mind, and I can't, I don't have to necessarily read all of the Bible or every verse on Elijah, I can just kind of read that. It will summarize him and help me understand it. Sometimes a place is real hard for us to keep up with all the places, geographical locations, and all of that kind of helps give those details. It helps fill in where you're lacking. So I think that's real important. When choosing a Bible dictionary slash encyclopedia, consider reputation, recency, references, relevancy. A couple of things about that, like it it does take a while, uh, and really, and I don't want to, it's in any discipline that you get involved in, like there are, um, I, I don't how do I explain this, like, you know, it's almost like if you were going to study psychology, and your first thought was, I'm going to read pop psychology, and so like, Everybody's like talking about this new whatever in psychology and it's really popular and everybody's reading it. I'm not sure that that gave me a really good understanding of things. You kind of step into more, you know, let's say deeper waters at times. I think it's just important that over time as you're studying and trying to learn that you're making sure, is this reputable? Like not, I mean, just because like, let's say there was like, 10,000 doctors agreed on this. Everything. You know, one outlier. And you're like, he knows everything. You know, and I'm like, hmm, not sure that cat knows everything. Looks like he went a little like AWOL. Let's question that, you know, look at that. Um, 
there's, there's things about that that are real important. References, when I'm studying uh, things, like when I, I look and see, like, uh, you know, especially early on, I would read this thing, and this guy would quote this guy, and this guy would quote this guy, and this guy would quote this guy, and I was like, oh, there's a family tree of people who have kind of held to these convictions, and they seem to span a long period of time. It, that's really helpful. Uh, just... Um, with regard to relevancy, when I think in, in those terms, I think like um, a couple of things. One is, I do think there are times where it's really, really helpful to read something that's very much, uh, it's accessible to your time and where you are. And I also think that um, some commentaries, it's really helpful because there are more like pastoral commentaries, and then there's more technical commentaries. And I, I, I heard of a, a guy the other day, he was like, I I was discipling this guy, and I gave him such and such book. And I was like, you gave him that book? Like, that's one of the hardest books to read. Why would you do that? Like, that was like a pitiful thing to do. I didn't say it that way, but it was. Because it's like you're, you're trying to, you can't, you don't start there. You don't start there. And so you've got to read things that you can grasp. I remember a guy telling me one time, I was... I, when I'm trying to read that commentary, I have to have a dictionary next, you know, beside me to read it. And you're like, okay, well, like, maybe you don't need to read that commentary, you know. You need to read something that you can, like, digest, something you can understand. And so, if, there, if you do want to, I mean, it's kind of hard because, I, I'll tell you, there's a neat commentary place, though, online. It's called bestcommentaries.com. And uh, you can go and pick, like, if we were doing, you know, First Samuel or whatever, you can go to bestcommentaries.com and they will rate them on different levels of ratings. And they'll generally, the top five in the list, like I can be like, yeah, those are worthwhile. Those guys are good scholars. They're helpful. I mean, generally, like when you look at them, you're like, okay, that's, that's helpful. I mean, it was helpful to kind of glance at that and look. And so they, they kind of put the pieces together for you because sometimes you're a little bit like, ooh. Um, I don't know what to do with that. So, so if you do have questions or you're wanting to study something, I, I would just say to you, um, uh, I, I will, I'll, I'll point you in a direction, help you kind of think about like, okay, you want to look at that subject, uh, me and well, there are multiple people here that could do that. I'll point you in this direction and then, um, and then, you know, you can kind of look at it and see, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there and maybe here's another book or whatever. And then, and, and it'll kind of help you along the way as you're trying to work through issues. Uh, one of the things that really helped me a few years ago was just, and I think I've, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, was um, there's a commentary on the uh, New Testament's use of the Old Testament. And it's kind of technical, but at the end of each one of its little technical portions, it'll just give you some really helpful things. And it, re it really does. These guys that have spent their whole life studying the New Testament and tracing out every Old Testament passage, they, get to, they, they, do the, they, do, they pick the book that they're best at, basically. And so they've worked out all that stuff, and then they kind of summarize in brief form. Why would that author use that to make his point? Because some of us read the New Testament and think, la-di-da, there's no references to the Old Testament. But in reality, it is filled with the Old Testament. You don't understand the Old Testament. You really don't understand the New Testament. So to be able to put all those pieces together 
I think that's really, really um, important. So I hope that'll help you. We'll talk about the different things like stick to the text as long as you can, but then if you need some help with like other things that could help you along the way, uh, we'd always be happy to help you. I was going to mention one other thing. Uh, I use uh, Logos Bible software. It's a... Uh, <laughs> was that something? Gives you the ability in like half a second to... to to uh, research something that would have in the past taken you, like going into a massive library and climbing up the ladder, pulling this book down, hoping not to fall, opening it up. I mean, and it's like, bam, you can pull it up. Kind of neat. So anyway, you could use something like that. It might be really helpful. And uh, glad your guys were able to be here. Let's pray together and we'll, we'll move on to worship here in a minute. Father, we pray that we would be good stewards of um, the time that we have on this earth, that we would study uh, your word faithfully, and uh, that we would want to hear what you say and, and want the meaning to come alive. We pray that we would use the tools that, um, that you give us, and, that, and we are thankful for the people that have spent their whole lives working through and understanding things that are um, very difficult at times to understand. And we pray that we would just um, seek the wisdom from others, too. Um, in Christ's name, amen.